Hey guys, welcome to another episode of The Culinary Citizen. This is Kelsey and Rebecca. And today we are talking to Mamet Sogan, who's currently living in London and owns a travel coffee company where he takes people to origin in uh, Latin America, Africa, and Southeast Asia. He talks with us a lot about actual coffee, brewing methods, places that he goes, and also his background and how he got interested in, in the topic of coffee. We wanted to talk to Mamet, um, mostly because this is a guy who has traveled to over 30 countries and takes people from around the world to explore a single product, coffee, in other countries. And so essentially, he's kind of emulating what we see in like the second pillar of culinary diplomacy, which is where you're looking at a single product from a country that's being marketed out to the rest of the world. In this case, this product has been to multiple countries from around the world. I mean, we have coffee everywhere. Um, I do geek out a little bit, guys. Sorry about that. Um, I'm just really getting into coffee these days. Uh, but I don't think it harms the conversation too much. Right, Rebecca? <laughs> Definitely not. I think coffee is something that a lot of people are really into and maybe don't know as much about. And with the new, not new, but, you know, with the in the last few years with all of the, you know, the third wave coffee shops popping up everywhere all over the world. I think this is a really interesting topic and and still relevant even though that started a while back because I think a lot of people, the general population are really just starting to get into it, starting to explore coffee shops in their own cities. So I think this is a good introduction to to coffee and to coffee in the context of culinary diplomacy. All right, y'all. Let's meet Mamet. So can you give us a little bit of background of your company, Mamet, of um, Coffee Origins Travels and how you started it all? Yes. So I was in the U.S. Uh, previously, I think, four years ago as an uh, energy engineer. And uh, as a French citizen, my visa expired. So I decided to uh, travel a little bit um, to South America because it was next door from Tampa, Florida. Um, was a very quick flight to Mexico first. And um, from Mexico, I planned to travel all the way down. And uh, I stopped in Colombia. And uh, over there, I attended a workshop had by uh, one of the um, uh, 2003 or four uh, Colombian uh, coffee champion. And I de decided to stay there to learn um, everything about coffee because uh, I found um, a, a passion that connects uh, the people and that has a had a true value to um to a community and um, the, the the coffee community in Colombia is, is quite uh, important, and um, I also visited a lot of farms, coffee farms there. That's where I learned a lot about um, the coffee harvesting, processing, uh, roasting, and everything um, about the coffee industry as well. Then. Um, then I moved to London because the uh, specialty coffee uh, trend was popping uh, four years ago. However, what I what I've um, realized is that the coffee, the Colombian coffee in London or in Europe, is better than in Colombia, and that was for me um, a real shock. And I realized that I, I learned that 
for the farmers, they got they shipped the, the, the best coffee overseas to the United States, Europe, or Japan, and they have the lower quality for them themselves. So then I looked at all those issues in um, the coffee industry during a coffee festival, because uh, in London now we have one of the biggest, I don't know if it's the biggest coffee festival, but for example, four years ago, there were maybe 5,000 people across four days and just one floor. Um, this year, uh, wow. the festival uh, gathered 40,000 people uh, and three floors full of coffee and caffeinated people. So three years ago, I had this uh, basically idea to, um, to connect not just the roasters, but also the coffee drinkers, people who drink coffee every day, to the farmers, because usually uh, seeing and visiting a farm, it's not easy uh, for for coffee drinkers, except in Colombia where the tourism is is um, is developed. But in other region, it's um, it's a real struggle, and only coffee professionals have this opportunity. So that's why I um, launched a travel agency specialized in uh, the uh, the coffee regions called Coffee Origins Travel, and we go and visit farms, uh, harvest coffee as well, and see how hard it is, drink with locals, eat local food, and also do um, several activities. It can be uh, um, uh, trekking or just a chill day on the beach. And um, besides this, I also organize workshops in London uh, for people to discover uh, coffee and specialty coffee. And why do we call it specialty coffee? Why do we put so much attention to coffee? So that's one of the workshops I, I host every Saturdays. And also a new one, which is pairing coffee with food, which is a, a brand new trend. Uh, we all now familiar with uh, pairing wine uh, with, uh, with food. Uh, but pairing coffee with food is a bit, a bit strange in the beginning, but very interesting. So uh, we used to... to have uh, a cup of coffee with sweets, maybe baked goods or chocolate, but then we can pair it with fruits, cheese, savory food, spicy food, and any other um, other other dishes are are good to pair. So I'm I'm still doing a lot of research on um, on the food and flavor uh, pairing, and uh, that will be also another part of uh, my objective, that is connecting the people together. Uh, via coffee. Um, the reason why I, I fell in love with coffee is not just the caffeine or the taste, but it's also um, something a bit bigger. When we have coffee, at least we communicate. And we live in a world uh, with a lot of new technologies. And unfortunately, there's always some problems. Uh, the problems that's happening in our world are created by us human beings. Uh, that's what I mean. So we created the problems and we can also solve them. And the first step is communicating. And whether we uh, we share a cup of coffee, debate, or even argue, at least we talk. And that's for me uh, very important. That's why I love coffee shops, because I see people either working, studying, or just talking. And that's, uh, I feel... Um, I feel very comfortable and um, empowered, inspired in um, in um, in a coffee shop or coffee environment. It is, I can I can mention many other uh, situations like that across the coffee chain from the from the farmer who picks them 
the the, the coffee fruits to the roaster who who release a flavor and um, and even the um, uh, the coffee shop the baristas or just the the regular coffee drinkers. Can you explain for our listeners what specialty coffee is and how that might differ with third wave or what you know maybe in a couple of other words that they're more familiar with? Sure. Um, so specialty coffee um, is a term that has been invented by the Specialty Coffee Association. When we hear the term specialty coffee, um, if we go by the rules, it's any coffee that is scored uh, at 80 points out of 100 or higher. So uh, how this, score, this scoring is done is uh, through Q-graders, which is the equivalent of wine sommelier. And uh, we taste coffee from uh, 10 minutes after steeping up to room temperature, and we assess different characteristics, which can be the fragrance, the aroma, the flavor, the acidity, balance, sweetness, et cetera, et cetera. And if a coffee is uh, scored below 80, it's, um, it's traded on the New York Community Exchange. Now, if a coffee score higher than 80, it's considered a specialty coffee, and the um, pricing system is different because of the higher uh, quality. So this high quality is due not only through the farming, but also uh, the roasting and also and the brewing. So let's say if you have a farm, you can uh, pick one line or one parcel and you'll have more transparency, more trustability than taking an entire region's coffee. Because whether if you have just one region or one country's coffee, it can be a mix of many farms that are under many different um, environmental conditions, many different rainfall, sunlight, et cetera, et cetera. Now, if you focus your, um, your harvest on one particular farm or even one particular lot, you have much more transparency and you can have more information so that the roaster, which is our second uh, character in the, in the coffee chain, who's releasing the flavor, will have more information to adapt his uh, roast style to um, to a particular coffee. And then uh, and then it's all the job to the barista to make the coffee through different techniques, different methods, adjusting different parameters like the water quality, the water temperature, the dose, in order to give um, a coffee that uh, represents the best the farm. And that's uh, what I will call a specialty coffee. It's it's having a product that uh, represents a particular uh, place in the world rather than a, a broad generic term as coffee, which is uh, which is just this bitter and hot drink. But once you go into specialty coffee and taste the coffee from Central America, South America, Africa, or Southeast Asia, you can have different um, taste profile. So the third wave is, is more an historical point of view. Uh, so we, we call the first wave uh, the moment uh, late, uh, during the late 19th century, beginning of the 20th century. This is the industrialization age where coffee was used only for um, is uh, energetical benefit just for the caffeine, regardless of the flavor. And it's also coincide with the invention of the espresso machine early in the 20th century. Uh, then uh, in the 40s, um, uh, coffee shops started in Seattle that became a Starbucks in the 70s. And that's why that's our second wave of coffee, because 
for, for the first time in history, we had coffee out of the office or out of home. So that's a big uh, change in our behavior in our society. And the coffee shop was called the third place after home and, um, and work. And we don't know exactly, but between the 80s and 90s, this third wave uh, style started with uh, specialty coffee, a more focused on the quality of the coffee and, um, and the description of it. Yeah, so um, what are some of the countries in Latin America, Africa, Southeast Asia that you take your guests to? Um, one uh, recurrent one is uh, the one in Costa Rica every January and February. Um, we organize the trip during the harvest season so people can see and can actually go on the field and harvest their own coffee. Uh, so it's it's really oh, cool. uh, limited in the um, in the seasons, depending on each countries. Each countries have different harvest seasons. So Costa Rica is between December to uh, March. So we go there on January in January and February. Uh, I will go to Ethiopia with the, the tour this November. So that's Ethiopia is another one we do in um, in Africa. Uh, currently, we do not have any tour in Southeast Asia, but uh, I will be in um, in North Thailand, uh, Cambodia, and Laos in December to see if a tour is feasible uh, there, because um, there's new regions uh, producing coffee now uh, that is uh, mm -hmm. was unknown before. Uh, apart from that, I'm also planning to setting up a tour in Brazil. I did it earlier, two or three years ago. And then I focused more on, on Costa Rica and Central America because it was more on the, on the demand. But uh, Brazil is also a big, um, a big coffee country, the biggest producer. And uh, also um, it has the advantage that uh, the harvest, this harvest season is in summer. So it coincides mm -hmm. with um, the summer holidays. When you set up a program, um, are you the guide on the trips? or do you contract with someone on the ground and um, how do you build those relationships with farmers that you visit um i always go on um on on site first on the country first and uh to build connection and see the possibilities then to um to hire a guide a local guide um to uh to take the tour with us and i go with them in a first in a first tour to make sure everything is uh, is according to plan but uh, as you mentioned, I always go uh, before. So that's, that's something I'm going to do this December in Southeast Asia. I will go and talk to, them, to the farmers, uh, the local shops, um, the, any accommodation uh, and any trans, uh, local transportation um, companies. So I'm sure when you go on those trips to scope things out before your tours go, you learn a lot about the different cultures of those countries. Yes. What is important to you to teach your your customers or your guests that go on the tours about those cultures um, through coffee? Mm, so through coffee, it's, um, I, I want to give them the opportunity to... Um, to experience something different. And when I say something different is a different mindset, a different way of life, a way of thinking. That's also how I, I, I grew up really fast because I traveled a lot alone and I grasped 
the, the South American culture, the, Latin, uh, the Southeast Asian culture, the African culture by living and talking with locals. So um, I want the, all, the, um, all the guests and uh, attendees to experience the similar, um, uh, the similar thing, which is having living like a local and, and uh, traveling like a local, whether it's the language, the food, or any activities that is particular to a certain um, a certain country and a certain culture. So the coffee culture and the brewing traditions and everything, they really vary from country to country and from region to region. What can a person learn about a certain community from drinking coffee with them? Oh, we learn a lot about, in terms of coffee, about the brewing style they, they use the most and also why why they use this this, uh, this a certain brew, brewing device. For example, in, in Ethiopia, they have the jebena, and uh, they have a, a coffee ceremony, which is a, a you know traditional ceremony where you are having um, a brewed coffee, usually brewed by, by a woman in, tra- in a traditional costume uh, with popcorn, and it's a, it's a real ceremony where you actually talk about everything that's um that's passed in your in your head and you speak your mind basically and in other cultures um for example in in turkey the turkish coffee is also always served with water and uh, one of the reasons is that um if your guests start with water you will move to the lunch or dinner faster but if your guests start with the coffee he or she wants to chat more and that's a, a good basic occasion to uh, to exchange about um, each other's culture and understand what's the basic definition. When we meet uh, farmers, um, farmers and other producers, they are, um, I would say, traditional and very local people. So it's always uh, interesting to understand what's the definition of 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 friendship of uh of business or of love success we all have different uh way to define those um those things in life and um and through coffee we discuss a lot about about life in general since you've traveled to 30 different countries have you noticed any similarities of how people take coffee mm, yes uh, obviously there's a there's a trend uh, with with countries um, that are close to each other, for example, in um, in Southeast Asia, it's uh, you can usually see uh, condensed milk and and coffee. So the cafe suda in Vietnam, but also the the Thai uh, the Thai coffee is um, is very similar with condensed milk and uh, and an espresso, for example. So it's a uh, kind of very very similar. Uh, and that depends also on the culture. Uh, in Asian culture, you don't used to have a lot of um, diaries, so um, uh, and that's why the, 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 they use a lot of condensed milk with very very bitter or very dark uh, coffee, and that makes a very nice uh, beverage. In um, in South America and Central America, you have more of the drip coffee. So in uh, like the Cafe de Ola or in Costa Rica, the, the, the coffee brewing style with um, with um, cloth filter, for example. So it's mm-hmm. it's really similar depending on the on what they have um, uh, on the producing countries. Like in, in the, the South American and Latin American, and I would say Central American, will be a bit more uh, a bit sweeter, uh, fruitier, and a bit more chocolatey or nutty depending on the country. So you will adapt your brewing style differently whether that in in southeast asia which is a bit lower altitude um the coffee 
podcast a bit more earthy, earthier, a bit uh, mm-hmm. grassier, earthier, etc. So adding sugar or any uh, any um, uh, sweetening um, ingredient makes it um, makes it um, a very delicious drink. Well, I just saw that you were in Saudi Arabia two months ago. Are you planning to devise a tour for the Middle East? I would love to um, to organize a tour in Yemen. So, but now the, the political situation is is a bit hard. But uh, Yemen is a very uh, interesting and, and important uh, country in uh, in a coffee history because so coffee has been the legend say that coffee has been discovered in the ninth century in Ethiopia uh, by mm-hmm. a goat named Kaldi, and and then um, they consider that you know that, that that fruit as a devil's fruit. So once they threw it in, into the fire. Um, the people in the monastery in, the, in Ethiopia gathered and and start being more uh, self-conscious, more um, more aware, and they used coffee from that moment on to stay awake, awake during their prayers. But ninth and tenth century, people were nomads, meaning that they travel to to eat because whenever you you hunt to provide food for your family you um your population grows so you need to move somewhere else and that brought coffee to uh, middle east and more precisely yemen and in yemen that's the first time where we cultivated coffee so the, the real first coffee farms were in yemen even if the, the coffee has been discovered um indigenously in um in ethiopia so i would have loved to uh, to organize um a trip in yemen uh, but I was in, in Saudi Arabia and also uh, a bit in Dubai in the UAE to see the, um, the specialty coffee trends, uh, which is a very, mm-hmm. very fascinating. So when you go to a very traditional countries, it's a bit um, hard. For example, in Turkey, uh, the Turkish coffee and the specialty coffee tends to go well. So meaning that the specialty coffee starts growing, even if you have a very strong um, Turkish coffee, uh, traditional Turkish coffee, um, eager, I would say. In Italy, it's a mm-hmm. bit hard because it's a home of espresso. Uh, getting uh, the specialty coffee to Italy, it's very, very hard. Now, the Arabic coffee, which is done, um, which is brewed with cardamom and other spices, is is drunk everywhere in um, in the region in the Middle East. However, we could see a huge, huge um a trend of specialty coffee and of those third wave coffee shops in the the middle east so it was a very interesting to see a two different uh world living in the same in the same city both the very traditional ones and the specialty um the specialty one that's really interesting that the specialty coffee um world has kind of taken off in areas where there has been traditionally a more spiced coffee I'm curious, what is your favorite coffee origin to visit and how did you make that decision? Is it based on the actual coffee, the culture, the climate of the location? How do you choose? Uh, so basically, I visit those uh, countries before and um, my favorite coffee, that's just for, for the first question, um, will be from, uh, from Costa Rica because it's both uh, sweet and, and fruity. With, with a nice uh, acidity. So that will be my personal preferences. But something I say to all the guests and during all my workshops is that the, the best coffee is the one that you like. And um, although we have a point system that 
um, that classify the coffees, um, there shouldn't be any discrimination on the coffee that you enjoy the most. So the best coffee is the one that you like. Um, now, uh, how do I organize those trips? Um, I visited them before. And um, and whenever I feel that uh, I have a good feeling with um, with the culture, with the community, I want I want to, to to organize something so that I can bring some value to the to the producer um, over there. My first very trip was in Brazil, like a very solo trip, was a long time ago. And that's where also I I learned a new language, a new culture, because that was the first time I uh, I traveled out of Europe. Uh, so that was a big, a big um, shock, but also a great memory. And I wanted to to give back to uh, to Brazilian producer what uh, what I experienced and um, that makes made me who I am today. So it's all based on uh, what I know. Usually, if sometimes I, I I'm contacted by some some producers or some importers, but I, I still need to go there and to see with my own eyes before. Uh, before sending people, because uh, people ob obviously trust me in in organizing those, those tours, both in terms of, of safety, um, health, uh, quality, etc. So um, I always go by myself first uh, to see mm -hmm. and talk with people, and also um, check if if everything is all right uh, to have a nice um, nice vacation there. Well, if people are interested in figuring out their favorite coffee. Um, how do they start building the palate and that knowledge to understand what they're tasting? Mm, so that's um, that's a very very interesting question, and that's uh, one of my main uh, silent point during my workshops um, that I organize in London is is everything about what you like, and that's why I brew coffees from different regions to help them. Um, taste different things and also figure out what do they like the most i usually pick one coffee or two coffees from africa one from uh, central america one from south america and maybe one from southeast asia and we uh we able to taste all those different um different taste profiles so that they can they can see what do they like because once again we don't know what we don't know and um my my first objective is to show them why we call it specialty coffee and what is it so that they can know that oh i, I prefer more acidic one a fruitier one a more chocolatey one or a more bitter one and um so to build uh to to build a, a better palate vocabulary it's all about tasting all about tasting i didn't grow up with a lot of flowers for example so uh when i get into coffee obviously one of the um taste notes is floral but i had absolutely no idea what was jasmine hibiscus or lavender talking to my barista about this today by the way <laughs> yeah i have the same issue <laughs> yes it's um it's all all our um sensory and our nose is very important so our nose can detect up to 30 to forty thousand different uh, aromatic compounds um, diversely. Our mouth only five, which is um, sweet, salty, sour, bitter, and umami. So whenever you're sick, you have a rich nasal connection between your nose and your mouth that is clogged. So that's why you cannot you cannot guess if you're eating a strawberry or chocolate. Obviously, you can feel the mouth feel, but in terms of taste, it's a very hard when you're sick. 
And you can do these experiments by pinching your nose and eating different uh, fruits. And you'll see that it's very hard to tell if you're eating an apple or a pear. Now, um, mm -hmm. to, once again, the, the, the sensory is all based on our childhood and our diet. That affects a lot what, um, what we, uh, we are drinking now or tasting now. Because whenever we taste something, we create uh, our, in our brain a neuronal connection with memories. It's all based on memories. That's why to train a palate, it's, it's always good to eat different fruits, have a very um, diverse and uh, wide uh, diet, I will say, so that you can be exposed to all kinds of flavors and aromas. Uh, that's why some, uh, some people might have a better palate than others because they have a broader uh, diet and maybe in the childhood they had the opportunity to taste many many different things i i had a chance to have a lot of fruits and also a lot of sweets i love chocolate when i was a kid uh however i didn't have uh, as i said a lot of flowers uh in, in at home so i had to train my palate and to drink also different teas and um and and guess what what is this or what is that by associating jasmine to maybe the smell of the of the of the of the jasmine thingy in the in the car or those those kind of connection i have to create with my childhood so that it can be an automatic um automatic um uh connection in my brain so it's all about your your senses, uh, I would say, and you can also add the different the other ones. For example, we a research has, has been done, and we perceive a sweetness more at high frequency music than lower frequency music. So you'll perceive more of the bitterness when you're hearing a lower frequency music. There's all the, also other researches about the lights. If the lights are dimmed or very white or yellow, your perception um, are different. Which is very, very interesting. Really interesting. Well, Mamat, I think Kelsey and I could probably talk about coffee all day with you, but we are at <laughs> no time. Worry. And I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. Can you tell our thank listeners you. how they can connect with you and maybe also tell us what trips are coming up? Yeah, um, we can connect with me on any, any social media or on my website, coffeeoriginstravel.com. Uh, the, the upcoming uh, tour will be in FT on January 6th in Costa Rica. And another announcement is that I will launch also Coffee Origins Travel and perhaps a coffee shop uh, next year uh, since I'll be moving to the United States. Uh, so I will also organize a lot of um, workshop and, and fun things in the U.S. And what city can we find you in? Uh, I'll be first in, um, in Houston, Texas. Um, my wife is from there, so uh, we will move back uh, to the U.S. and um, and I will start uh, organizing also trips in um, in the closest countries like Guatemala, Honduras, and um, and then also Brazil. So that's something that will uh, be upcoming uh, next year. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Mamet. We really appreciate you coming on and sharing with our listeners about coffee. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to The Culinary Citizen today. Before you leave your podcast listening platform, please give us a review. We'd love to hear what you think. You can also reach us at culinarycitizen.com. Otherwise, until next time.